This is David Gator. This is episode nine of Dragon Age Off the Record. Songs? What kind of songs? Learning a good song or two might keep the mice away at night. A long, long time ago, I can still remember the disgusting taste of dark spawn bile. But I knew if I had my chance that I could wear gray wooden pants and maybe help Ferelden for a while. But Ostagar, it made me shiver when Logan's men did not deliver. Soldiers, they were beaten. A few of them were eaten. I can't remember if I cried when I heard about his regicide But something tainted me inside The day the wardens died Why, why did it all go awry? Hope is sunken without Duncan He was such a good guy Put your head between your legs and kiss it goodbye Baby, this has all the signs of a blight This is gonna be a big fight I woke up inside a hut Cause a baddie witch had saved our butts So a daughter told me so now the street is from the days of old Raise armies to defeat our foes And Morrigan thinks Alistair's real slow Well I know the situation's grim Cause the traitor's back in Denarim We had to spread the news And put on our traveling shoes we went to Lothering where folks were stuck Found a barred companion and we picked her up With a kudari run amok The day the wardens died I started singing Why, why did it all go awry? Hope is sunken without Duncan He was such a good guy your head between your legs and kiss it goodbye Baby, this has all the signs of a blight This'll be a hell of a fight Now with no king, we're on our own Said Logan's badass upon the throne And that's not how it's supposed to be When the regent stood for the widowed queen And he spoke from on a mezzanine in a voice that denied treachery. Oh, and while McTeer was looking down, the banorn battled for the crown. The courtroom was adjourned. Now verdicts for the turn. And while Tegan fired smart remarks, our quartet packed up and embarked to search for ashes in the dark the day the wardens died I was singing why, why did it all go right? Hope is sunken without Duncan, he was such a good guy but 
your head between your legs and kiss it goodbye. Baby, this has all the signs of a blight. This'll be a hell of a fight. Tower, our circle lost the power. The blood mages bringing down the tower. Eight floors high and falling fast. Melon elderly lass who threw down heels and was a hustle last. And a new friend, an assassin, talking crass. Now the night commander, he assumed that all those locked inside were doomed. But if a few survive, well, we would get them out alive. And if demons sent us to the fate, I quickly saw through his charade. Abominations all were slayed today. The wardens died. Started singing, why, why did it all go right? Hope is sunken without Duncan, he was such a good guy. Put your head between your legs and kiss it goodbye. Baby, this has all the signs of a blight. This'll be a hell of a fight. Oh, and then there was the Dalish race. Moved generations, place to place. Led by their keepers, Abrien. So come on, solve the riddle. Elves are sick. Wither Fang's heart'll do the trick, but little did I know of his revenge. Oh, and as I learned about that mage, my hands were clenched in fists of rage, like anthropy as hell. I'll break that evil spell And his aggressions climbed into a fight Over his sacrificial ride I heard werewolves howling with delight The day the wardens died We were singing Why, why did it all go right? Hope is sunken without Duncan He was such a good guy your head between your legs and kiss it goodbye Baby, this has all the signs of a blight This'll be a hell of a fight I met a dwarf who seemed amused Till I asked him if he'd share his booze But he just scowled and turned away We journeyed through the deep road dells Met pirate whores and city elves While the chanters kept on quoting Andras Day And thanks to our heroic team The darkspawn died, the archdemons creamed And though it goes unspoken The therein lines unbroken And the men that always got my goat Threatened nobles to win their vote But he caught a great sword in the throat The day the wardens died And I was singing My, my, things have turned out alright Reinstated, vindicated, told you we were good guys 
Cause us good old wardens never turn a blind eye Baby, not when there's an old god to fight Not when there is evil to smite We were singing My, my, things have turned out all right Reinstated, vindicated, told you we were good guys us good old wardens never turn a blind eye Baby, not when there is evil to smite Welcome to Dragon Age Off the Record, Episode 9. I am your host, Elizabeth, and with me is my trusty co-host, Rode. I am Rode! And we have a special treat for you this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I present the man who drinks the tears of his fans, and he writes the words that make the fanboy scream. This is David Gator. I'm the lead writer of uh, the Dragon Age series for BioWare. Glad we got you on the show. Did you know that we have covered your books, by the way, on this show? Have you? Yes, we have. No, I did not know that. Only two of them. Only two of them. Uh, two, out, two out of three isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> I like the reference. Which two did you do? The Calling and Stolen Throne. Oh, okay. All right. So this is our first show since the launch of Inquisition. Just, you know, a little game. Yeah. Just a small it, game. Yeah. No, it's freaking huge. <laughs> okay. yep. This game is more massive than... I could ever imagine. I did not expect this game. Let's say I read online, someone called it a life destroyer. And I was like, yep, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it pretty much is. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, Thanksgiving in the States here this weekend, I'm going to be without my computer. Right. Yeah. Lots of visiting while you're, you're eating your Thanksgiving dinner. You can think, oh, I, I could be back home playing Inquisition right now. Oh, man. On the bright side, I'll be playing enough for both of us. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be making the sacrifice for you, Liz. I'm sure you will. And you'll be tweeting me with all these hints. And then <sighs> I can see it now. I might even send you screenshots to give you a taste of what you're missing out on. From some of the big scenes. No, I would never do that. Only the small ones. No, well, no, only the small ones. Sorry, I wouldn't even say they're small ones. I've actually, I've, I've been having this problem. Like, I've been wanting to tweet these streams of screenshots I take because it's kind of my thing. I take screenshots of everything I do in games. I've got thousands of them on my computer right now. Not just for Inquisition, mind you, just for all the games in total, but. I've been going through and I'm like, I can't post any of these because I want people to experience these moments. Yeah, it makes sense. Such as a certain game that was played between certain people in the game. And, uh, well, you get to see one character naked. What? Pretty fantastic. It maybe turns into a stripping kind of game. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yes. What is this awesomeness that I have not experienced yet? <laughs> Well, it, it involved several hours of speaking to Varric, Cole, and Solus last night, and that's literally all the game I played yesterday, was just talking to those three. And then stuff happened. I've been reading on Twitter, Mr. Gator, should I call you Mr. Gator or David? David's fine. David's fine, okay. Mr. David? <laughs> <laughs> just David. So I've been seeing that you guys have been playing the multiplayer a lot. You're still doing that? Uh, some of us are, yeah. Some of us are? Are you kicking I, butt? They, I was initially, and then one of my roommates has basically usurped my my <laughs> PS4, which is what what I was playing my uh, multiplayer on. And so uh, I haven't. I, I actually got a PC copy of it now, but it's like I had I had some progress on my PS4 account, so I don't yeah. want to start over. So I just got to wait for her to finish her playthrough, and then if she doesn't start multiplayer, then I might get a chance. 
So what do you usually play as in multiplayer? Uh, Reaver. Reaver. That's the one you were looking at, Road. That's it? what I'm working toward. That's exactly what I was going for. We got into multiplayer one time yesterday or the day before, and Road, it was just me and him, and he ran around like a little girl screaming. It was awesome <laughs> because I dropped the group. It was amazing. <laughs> so I picked up the archer, and of course, the first two abilities are the caltrops and the explosive uh, arrow. Right. And I basically ran up and down a set of stairs with a bunch of melee Templar chasing me. <laughs> Three throwing caltrops behind you. <laughs> Pretty much and crying <laughs> the entire time. The crying was real. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, it was. A little bit. I'm too pretty to die. That was said, yes. <laughs> you and your massive beard. Okay, so where should we start off with this road? No pressure, thanks. Okay, I actually have a question I want to ask because this was supposed to be Liz's question, but I feel like right. I'm the one that deserves to ask this. Is this the question you were arguing about? Uh, no, no, not at all. But it's one we have argued out about more than anything in the Dragon Age series. In fact, this is what spawned the Dragon Age podcast to begin with. Okay. On the subject of Anders... <laughs> Do you think he really deserved to be stabbed in the neck several times after that certain event in Dragon Age 2? I do. Do I think he did? Yeah. I'm not going to answer that question. (laughs) Uh, I I put that question out there for other people to answer. (laughs) Uh, Makes it so hard for me then. then. I can't can't weigh in on that. It, it uh, it It is a character and a situation that's designed that people can take either side and make a reasonable argument about it. And then that's the whole point. That's why I love the Dragon Age 2 story. We argued last episode was all dedicated to Dragon Age 2. And we argued for two hours about mages versus Templars. (laughs) Which I support mages. I just don't support Anders doing that. (laughs) There are people that support the mages and were like, why didn't Anders tell me? I totally would have helped him. There are people like you who supported the mages and like, oh, no, no, he went too far. There are people that were sort of saw the Templars point and then and then what Meredith did sort of turn them around and then there are people that have one hundred percent. I think that the people who who support Anders that's like, oh, we do support terrorism. Sometimes that, that those arguments I see online can get really nasty actually. I was afraid it was going to get nasty. Luckily, Rhoda is a gentleman and didn't go that route. But yeah, I see the point of view of the Templars. I don't. I just keep thinking, what if my next door neighbor just came up and had magic powers? And I, I would be pissed and want him to control. Anyway. That's the thing that I, I where I always, uh, a point where I get to, where some people talk about it and they, they the only thing I sort of think, okay, people who make it totally about personal freedom. And I can totally see that. But of course, I have to, I have to sort of keep my mind space on both sides. And I think, well, except if you compare it to real world issues of personal freedom, people don't have intrinsic abilities to, to, to throw fireballs and be possessed by demons in the real world. And if they did, don't you think that would concern the average person, even if they were reasonable people? Is it fair to make it completely an issue of, of, uh, of oppression and, and freedom? I mean, again, I don't know that that's something that can be easily answered, and that's the whole point. Oh, yeah, it certainly comes to points of, you know, you're allowed to have or do this thing, but then when is this thing too much and beyond what you should be allowed to do? Yeah. I mean, I I think that there's a lot of people who say that the existence of the Circle of Magi is in itself not unreasonable, but then when you see what the, the, the Templars, the extent that some of them have taken to, especially in Dragon Age 2, and I mean, you could also argue, well, not all circles are like that, but yeah, it's like, a, like the, an issue with many modern jails. When you put people in a position of authority over others, 
it's going to naturally lead to abuses. Like, how could it not? Right. And, and there's an element of Templars sort of having to dehumanize mages in their mind. On one end, you might say, well, the mages, they deserve to be controlled, but do they deserve to be abused? And for the Templars to go farther than their actual duty compels them to. And, and it's like after a thousand years of being in control of these mages, it'd be hard for Templars, never mind that they're basically on lyrium the entire time. It'd be hard for them to not sort of uh, uh, start thinking of mages as lesser just by virtue of the, the, the power differential in their relationship. So Absolutely. And I mean, you can even see throughout Inquisition itself right now, you can see the examples being made that, you know, the circle of magi are literally everywhere, but they range anywhere from the gallows to prestigious academies, just depending on where you are. Right, right, exactly. I mean, they only get to prestigious academies really in the Taventer Imperium, but yes, uh, they're the... There is a, a pretty pretty wide disparity in, in uh, from one land to the next to the with regards to the, the average circle, and a lot of that depends as well on, on the the knight commander that would be in control of the Templars at at that time in that place. Like knight commander Gregor was in Ferelden was a pretty reasonable guy, but then I mean uh, the mages had to come together, and it's like even in the best of those places, uh, after what happened at Kirkwall, the Templars were really concerned and so started sort of restricting their freedoms sort of as, as a, a general kind of caution, which is not unreasonable for them to do, but that just sort of applied pressure to the mages as it was, and that, that just eventually led to the whole thing being ignited, right? I could I could have this conversation all night. I really could. This is amazing. And you know what? I was thinking the whole time, I wonder what lyrium tastes like. Uh, it tastes like addiction. We have had that discussion. Really? Is it, is it like sulfur? Is it like cinnamon? So as we decided, eventually decided it was it was sort of like bubble gum. I was thinking fun dip, blueberry flavored fun dip, only like liquid. So there, there is a blue flavor of bubble gum which doesn't taste like anything natural. <laughs> we decided that this is probably what lyrium sort of tasted like, like something something chemical and kind of unnatural. Like, but it, it sits on your tongue and has that little zing kind of taste, right? So then, what would red lyrium taste like? Fireballs. I think it would just burn. I would think it'd be like like red hots. Like at first it's good, but once once you're on your tenth or eleven dose, you're like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever put in my mouth. And that's when you realize it's laced with arsenic. Oh my god! But by then it's too late, right? Oh yeah, god. exactly. There's been some really dark experiences in Inquisition that I've experienced so far, so especially with Red Lyrum. Well, how far are you in? I'm 55 hours in, but that's just kind of a relative number. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It really <laughs> depends how long it took you to get out of the hinterlands, is my understanding. Well, as I actually, Aaron Flynn had tweeted something about that earlier, and was, uh, yeah, I, le- I eventually did leave the hinterlands, but then I realized I liked it there, so I went back. Everybody goes back. You never truly leave the Hinterlands. It's no. Every now and again, you'll leave maybe for just a little bit more of the crit path. Okay, got, got, okay, got a little bit farther. Now it's time to go back to the Hinterlands because I think there's a high-level area I missed. I can say that the point of the overall story that I'm at right now, the big bad himself has pretty much lost all of his and now the next step they're expecting is something like a from him. Spoilers! Ah, all right. That's in the main plot. That's where I am. But I'm I'm focusing more on these subplots right now. I'm trying to go through all the character arcs and not even just side quests. I haven't even explored all the areas yet. I just started the uh, the Exalted area and Exalted Plains. Yes, the Exalted Plains. And there's an area on the map right next to it, and I'm trying to remember the name. The Empress du Lyon. Yes, that's it right there. I've uh, I've made it a little ways into there, and then I decided instead of going on with that, 
I would just spend my entire day yesterday talking to companions, which was the right choice. Hey, could you, you say the name of that place again? Emphrys du Lyon. Here in the States, we say Delion. <laughs> <laughs> we do? Oh. <laughs> well, we have mandatory French classes up here in Canada. So. Oh, man, I took French. I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm French! Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? What are you doing in England? Mind your own business! Which characters were you... That I personally wrote? Oh, Dorian and Cassandra are the two follower characters I wrote. Oh, my, I gotta tell you, I love Dorian. <laughs> I love Dorian, and I, well, I hear there's something with Cassandra coming up uh, that I will like. Yes. I think it's just girl jealousy that I just can't <laughs> ever with me, and oh. I, I'm being perfectly honest. Are you currently anti-Cassandra? <laughs> I've... What I'm I've told is that there are a lot of people that, that were sort of, they thought, you know, because Cassandra starts very suspicious. Right. And it's sort of in your face. So it's, it's hard to like her at that point. But I'm told, according to a lot of people, that uh, that they warm up to her as as it goes on. And, she, and where you sort of start seeing more <laughs> of her vulnerable side. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty pleased with the response to both my characters so far. However, I'm hearing that mostly from dudes. And I just figure because they're romancing her and that's why they're. <laughs> they're saying that I don't know. Maybe I mean it's not it's not it's not all all the all those elements are totally contained within her romance arc. I don't think. No, I think you can have a a perfectly uh, good friendship arc with Cassandra. As a matter of fact, I, I wrote a a good section of it specifically with that in mind. Spe- actually, specifically with Cassandra's romance with other with other female players in mind. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I I did that to, to a point when when I wrote uh, Morgan back in DAO as well, just sort of thinking about not only how this character might uh, feel as a if we were friends, like that there's a, there's an arc to that friendship, but you know, then I also stop and think, okay, how would Cassandra perhaps relate to a player who is who is herself female, right? Hmm. How that now, might be giving them a sort of a different aspect to their relationship. Speaking of Morgan, this guy over here, this road guy. I got to tell you, <laughs> that's probably one of the reasons he joined this podcast is because of Morgan. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. I just find it funny. Sometimes people say that the, it's only, uh, you know, please figure quotes, fangirls who like the romance elements. And it's like, that's never been my experience. I, I've been on the BSN a lot. And there, there's a, there, nobody got crazier than some of the guys who, who, who fell hard for Morgan, right? Oh, I love it. I was actually blindsided by it because I thought, oh, my God, a dude is actually talking about this. But yeah, Rode, why don't you speak up about that? <laughs> well, I, I'll be very honest. I see a lot of my wife in Morgan. Oh, very adorable. snarky <laughs> and just the exact same sense of humor. So, you know, of course, I, I clung to it right off the bat. Right. And it, it's not even, you know, I know I've spoken with a lot of guys who, frankly, refer to Morgan as side boob, which that was, <laughs> th- that's uh, neither here nor there to me. Yes. And one of her friends, in fact, is one of them. And I, I just, I love the character itself. You know, appearance isn't a lot to me. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm actually not a big fan of Isabella was because of her appearance. You know, but but her character I loved. You know, but cool. it's, the same goes for Morgan. I'm I absolutely love her character. The end of Witch Hunt was you know a definitive Dragon Age moment for me. Um, on one of our previous episodes, I did go on about that a little bit because the first time I went through it, I actually didn't get to go through the Illuvian with Morgan, no. and I went, no, I'm sorry, I did that wrong. Reload, did it over again <laughs> until I got the right choices. I see. Okay. 
And uh, that's actually where my world state is now for Inquisition, is uh, the warden disappears with Morgan. I think uh, for a lot of our characters, um, the way we make them, it's, it's very easy to judge them on a superficial level, if you like. I mean, you can look at Isabella or, or Anders or really any character we've done, and sort of you get you get a lot of people who sort of will give these snap judgments just based on the, the first time they met them or just from, from their physical appearance. But I mean, um, I think at least uh, from what I see of people who have actually scratched beneath the surface that there are layers to the characters and, and different ways to appreciate them. So, and I think it's perfectly valid. I mean, uh, when I read people responding, uh, uh, even in Inquisition, uh, some people say Vivienne, you'll see people saying, oh, I love her. And some people saying, oh, I hate her. I don't know how anybody could love her. Or uh, see people say that about Cole or, you know, like uh, seeing that there is a, a range of reactions to that character is is just as good. We don't need everybody to love them. They're not they're not built that they're not built to be loved by everyone. I'm suspicious of Vivian. <laughs> Are you? And I'm not a big fan of the game. So and I don't mean Dragon Age. What? I mean the game. He quote unquote. The game. Capital <laughs> exactly. Capital G, yeah. Yes. Not a big fan of it. I played it because I had to, but, well, I didn't necessarily have to, but I'm going the more politician route with my Inquisitor, so I had to. But uh, I, I actually genuinely like Vivian. I don't know what her, her game is just yet, but I do like Vivian. I love her voice. It's like audible porn. Oh, I, yeah. It's so pretty. Oh, and, and Dear of Arma did such a fantastic job. It's like, I want to see, maybe maybe Vivian needs to have a larger role in the future just so we can get her in to do more voiceover work. <laughs> I support this. I really do. <laughs> I mean, and going back to the uh, conversation about Cassandra, uh, mm. the part of the story, I'm going the friendship route with Cassandra. And okay. I feel like it was the best choice to go that direction. You know, seeing what's developing with her character, what could potentially develop with her character, and some character moments between her and uh, Varric since Dragon Age 2. Right. I just saw one of those last night. It was awesome. That's where I started to see Cassandra softening up a little bit. She right. was wondering, you know, if she had what she had done was right. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Go beyond that. It gets pretty awesome. But, uh, I mean, my, my first reaction to Cassandra when I saw her in Dragon Age 2 interrogating right. Varric was initially you've got this dwarf rogue where you don't know if he's a criminal, if you don't know if, if he's the good guy. You, you right. see this woman in all amazing black armor. She's clearly the point of authority. She is there. You don't know if she's the bad person, you, and, but you see the symbol on her chest, so clearly she works for the Chantry. Right. But you don't know what her game is either. And then you see the end of Dragon Age 2, and you don't realize what that, the importance of that scene was until you get into Inquisition. Until you get into Inquisition, yeah. Yeah, the scene that the, the, you were just talking about there, uh, the, the argument between Varric and, and Cassandra, you find out a lot of the background between behind uh, the, re the reasons for the interrogation and, and uh, what was really going on at the time, why Leliana and Cassandra were looking for the hero Freldon or uh, the champion of Kirkwall, things like that. It's, it was good. It, was, it felt good to get some of that stuff out. It's nice. Now, how many people have come back and asked what went on in Dragon Age 2 because they haven't played it? Are they are they finding the transition okay? The transition? For yeah. what? Uh, for that storyline, especially. That's what I was thinking of. So, I haven't actually read a lot about it. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm trying not to spend too much time online myself right now. I mean, the, the, once the game goes out, I kind of uh, back away from the internet for a little while just because it gets pretty intense. I'm, <laughs> I'm not... Not just re with regards to negative things. I mean, uh, there's always some, right? But 
it just uh, just to to relax and 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 uh, and not not because I mean it'd be very easy, especially 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 if people are saying nice things. It'd be very easy to spend all day every day just sort of reading up on it because you really want to know how people are reacting, but. I think it's uh, it can be a little unhealthy, so I, I tend to take a step back and then give myself some chance to breathe and maybe give people some you know a chance to have played through the game and 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 have and some time to sort of sit with their thoughts a bit and then I, then I might start to go and go and read uh, uh, and get some get some real feedback. I mean, that's been one of my points too, just in regards to social media with the game freshly being released. Is a uh, yummy I mean, day one. I I tried to put on my own profile that look, guys, don't put out spoilers for at least a week, please. You know, I don't mind because I, I already had a leg up on them. You know, my I had a day off. I put sixteen hours in the game day one. So yeah, from the time <laughs> I woke up till I went to bed, I I went nonstop. Wow. Um, but you know, I, I told people don't put spoilers out, don't ruin it for other people, and, and by all means, just slow down. Don't rush to the end of the game. It's not the end of the game that matters, it's the voyage getting to that point. That's how yeah. every Bioware title is supposed to be. I mean, I think that's a, that's a lot of it. So people uh, have been talking about sort of the, the quality, again, in air quotes, of, of the, the the critical path plot versus the the how much they love the characters or, you know, there, there's lots of different uh, discussions about it. I mean, it's like, but just about everybody that has, has talked about it, I'm, I'm talking about reviewers specifically. Oh yes. Uh seems to have said the overall experience was great. So it's like, all right, I think that 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 is what we were going for. It's about uh the journey and, and how much you enjoyed the characters. Like when you if you're gonna talk about the story, that is a big part of the story. Like half the writing in the game is devoted to the 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 main characters that are that form your party. So I mean it, that 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 is uh where a lot of the enjoyment intentionally comes from, where we spend a lot of our time. I just heard Dorian last night say the phrase, oh, my blushing butt cheeks. That was you, right? Probably. <laughs> Probably. I know there are several lines of the game. There's no way. But, man, okay. I just thank you for that line. That's one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> that sounds like something Varric would say. That sternum bush of his. Oh, <laughs> I love that phrase. I wanted to talk about a little bit about Fiona. Because okay. I was surprised that she was in this game. <laughs> ah, yeah. Talk oh. about one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the game, too. Oh, my God. <sighs> How far are we allowed to talk about? It's up to you. Well, I mean, uh, on the on our show, we've already talked about the relationship between Fiona and Alistair. And mm. so if people are coming into this interview not expecting a few spoilers to be dropped in there, then mm, sorry, guys. We'll put a spoiler warning at the beginning of the show before anyone starts listening. We're not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry, exactly. But I mean, the scene, uh, I don't I don't know how it plays out for the Templar route, because I've gone with the Mages route, clearly. But right. when Alistair and Fiona come face-to-face, and Alistair is not exactly the most happy king of Ferelden at that moment, and chastises right. Fiona, the Grand Enchanter herself, or former, that was heartbreaking, because you just gotta know she wanted to say something, and in the conversations <laughs> after the fact... Because I, I tried to make the, the mages equals when they joined the Inquisition. Right. Having the conversation with her after the fact, when she asks, you know, if King Alistair may have said anything about her to you, or anything <laughs> at all, and you're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, uh, <laughs> I did! I did! Uh, there's there's more that that can come later. Really? You, you may, yeah. Maybe you, 
you may encounter more. So Are you going to drink more of my tears when that happens? I don't drink tears. I'm like I'm like <laughs> one of those those moths that just sort of maybe maybe licks a little bit of the tears as I fly by. I suppose. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. There are moths that actually do that. Oh, really? That's <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> where the star goes across the screen. The more you know. Going all the way back to origins, since this is a, an interesting conversation piece we've had. Um, Goldana. Yeah. Yes. So we had this argument uh, again a few episodes ago. We we argue a lot. Yeah, it's pretty much the premise of the show. There was this the the whole idea is that Goldana is supposedly the sister of King Alistair. But if Fiona is Alistair's mother, how is it possible that Goldana is it just like a is she led to believe that she had a brother who died and her mother conveniently died at the time. So they're like, this maid was the mother of this bastard child. It's only confusing if you assume that exact, that what you learned about like Goldana or what Alistair told you is the truth as opposed to just what he was told. See, and that's, that was the angle I was trying to come at it from. That's what I believe Mm -hmm. is that, you know, maybe Merrick had mentioned that to Eamon and therefore Eamon mentioned it to, to Alistair, not knowing that what Eamon was told was true or not. Yeah, Eamon was definitely complicit in in, in the, the 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 setup of the the ruse, as simple as it was, right? Of course. Yeah, he would have to be. Loghain was not <laughs> clearly <sighs> oh, for good reason. If, if Loghain knew about it, he would have brought it up as soon as Alistair, the possibility of Alistair taking the throne came up. He, he would have just shouted to the heavens, "Hey!" Hey, 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 <laughs> this guy's a half elf. <laughs> I feel oh. like he would have had Alistair killed had he known. Oh, maybe. But that's yeah. just me. I, I don't Am I the like only Loghain. one that's pro sort of Loghain? Sort of pro Loghain. No, you're not the only one. Okay. Well, Loghain makes me upset a little bit. I know, but I can see his, as another argument, man, that was episode one. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just want to bring up one short thing about the stolen throne. Did Catriel really deserve to be run through with Merrick's sword and not in the good way? Who deserves that? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, that's another one of those things. It's like the, the when I wrote the stolen throne, you, you can come up with reasons why things happened the way they did. And then people feel differently about them. Like a lot of people just found it unforgivable that Loghain had kind of manipulated Merrick into, into that, that course of action. But did she, did she, did she deserve to get off scot-free? Did, did she deserve punishment, but not to be killed? Like, I mean, I, I'll leave that up to the individual person. I don't think I can, I can really weigh in on the, the side of whether she deserved to die per se. Did she love Merrick, really? Maybe. I say yes. She says no. <laughs> I feel like it was very well explained that she did, Liz. You know what? I think you're wrong, Road. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly she felt bad for what, what she had done. That's what I, yeah. And, and I mean, and, and Loghain certainly uh, deliberately um, uh, fridged her on behalf of, of his friend Merrick. He, he, he put her in a position where she, that her total purpose was to kickstart Merrick as, as, a, as a, a proper ruler of Ferelden in his eyes. So, I mean, uh, nobody was exactly free of, of wrongdoing in, in that particular little circle. <laughs> I, I would say. In Dragon Age Inquisition, will the mage fraternities make a big to-do? 
uh, in Inquisition, uh, the, the fraternities are really an element of the circle of magi. So once the mages rebelled, I mean, they, 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 keep, they keep a certain amount of their fraternities as sort of, these are the people they know, they're natural allies, but they don't really exist beyond that at this point. Not while the rebellion is going on anyway. Now, is it true in, in Cole's place in Skyhold? Or not Cole's, uh, Baldy. <laughs> Solus? Solus! Young Professor X, as I like to call him. His room keeps getting painted in different ways. Now, is that the story progression? Um, maybe. Maybe. And I saw something on Twitter earlier today about Cole and his little quote-unquote predictions. Oh, oh. yes, yeah. Uh, not predictions. Uh, uh, um, there are a number of lines. Like, if he has no other dialogue and you're, you're clicking on him, you'll find that he sort of spouts off these 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 weird lines. I mean, not that just about everything Cole says is pretty weird. But there are things that you really you have to think about to realize what he's talking about. And there's a few of them that, I, that kind of break the fourth wall. And, and that, that's probably all I can say about it. Oh, I've I've must have missed those. Uh, <laughs> see, that's when I messaged you, Rodan. I said because I didn't I didn't know really what was going on, but he would say something weird when somebody else would walk behind him, and so I thought, oh, he's reading the minds of the people that are near him, ah. and that's what I thought was going on. And I interesting you know, theory tweeted Rod theory. <laughs> I I feel like Cole's ability is not so close by. To put it lightly, because it seems like when having a conversation with him, regardless where he is, it seems like he can pick up on feelings that are in the general area, not just in the immediate vicinity. Yeah, that's true. And even further, if it's somebody that he knows well. Uh, like, I mean, just having probably an hour's worth of conversations with him yesterday. That's oh, wow. Oh, I, I completed his uh, personal story <laughs> during that time. You talked so. to, to Cole for an hour. That could really fuck you up. Oh, it well, it was... The <laughs> biggest portion of my playthrough yesterday was uh, was Solus and and Cole, which um, those are completely different points of view looking at things. You know, uh, I, I did both personal quests for Cole and for Solus during that time too. They're, they're actually really good to have in a party together. Their their interactions are are complimentary. I have Cole and Dorian, and I do like their <laughs> their interactions because Dorian's starting to warm up to Cole. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I mean, it's almost like taking him under his wing. Not really, but a little bit. He yeah. finds Cole very fascinating at yeah. first, and and then as their relationship progresses, they it's funny. They, they, if you've reached the point where um, Cole asks Dorian if he can ask questions, like if I have questions, will yes. you answer them? And Dorian... We'll say, okay, sure. That actually opens up a whole new bunch of banters that where Dorian begins to quickly regret uh, giving him the whole <laughs> That sounds amazing. Now, are you playing the game? Did I read that correctly at some point? I, w- I was going to until my, my roommate. Oh, your roommate. Okay. My, my PlayStation. Oh, no. <laughs> Who had right. you I, I'm, I'm watching her play, which is almost as fun. Although I, I, I she jumps everywhere she will jump on every chest before she opens it she will sort of hop you know like uh hop up the side of mountains that nobody's really supposed to be able to get up the side of but she's just determined to get up there uh, and I'm, I'm watching and i'm just in agony it's like oh god just go on with the plot already i will admit to doing a lot I of the same that. thing I, I well i've done that in every single game skyrim was the worst though because there are mountains absolutely <laughs> everywhere 
Uh, so who was going to be in your party had you had the ability to play at this moment? Well, I normally go Team YOLO. Team YOLO? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's Sarah, Dorian, and Arnbull. Yes, I, I've heard that reference. I believe it was... I've uh, never heard that! I believe Freddie Prince Jr. was the one who I heard first reference that. <laughs> and it was pretty amazing. I can't wait to read the bowl. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Prince is pretty, it's pretty incredible. Like, not only is he oh, a good he voice is. actor, he's actually a genuinely enthusiastic gamer. So hearing him talk about as much as he does on the, on his Twitter feed is pretty pretty gratifying. I got a, a good impression of that, too, when uh, listening to his interview with Nerd Appropriate, which I, yeah. I know Bioware is very uh, fond of. Yeah, uh, I've been following their show for quite some time now, and just the their most recent interview with him was was awesome, just hearing him completely nerd out. He loves the game. He really genuinely loves the game. It's great when you have a voice actor who is also a gamer themselves. It, 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 it gets rid of a lot of the explanations you need to do when you're, you're sort of approaching various uh, gameplay-related aspects. Like, uh, it, with the idea of there being alternate responses to the same question as opposed to a script, you know, it just would right. question-response, question-response, whatever... And you're trying to explain, okay, if the if the player says this, then we're going to this down this line of dialogue, and they just a gamer just oh yeah, you know I get that, or or try to do sound sets. Okay, now I need you to say, act like you've been hit by a sword. Uh, give me five variations of that, and, and if you know if they're a gamer, like oh yeah, I know what he wants, and so they they, they do it off the bat. Uh, Allegra Clark, uh, another was another voice actor we had in the game. Um, she did uh, Josephine, That's and she she actually, uh, besides being a being a great voice actress, uh, she actually uh, uh, is also a member of of the fan community. Like she's actually done a uh, cosplay. She uh, did a cosplay of Isabella. That's when I, when I first met her actually, and uh, and it was great getting somebody in the booth who who understood games to that level because it just made things so much quicker, right? So actually, on on that, um, because in the interview with Freddie, he had stated that. During, you know, over the course of recording lines, you, there was a lot of that banter going on, and apparently they had a lot of free reign to come up with their own banter just between each of the characters. Now, that was all supervised for sure, but how much of your writing and the writing team's writing actually went into that? Because I know a lot of it does reference the world. Not just what's going on. The, the banter? Yes, the banter between all the companions. Oh, we, we write all the banter. There just would be, we'll give them a quite a bit of leeway in terms of ad-libbing if, if... Gotcha, okay. If they, if they come up and say, say, oh, I think I would respond differently to this line, or, or they would put you know, a certain spin on it, uh, generally, if, if a writer's present, we'll be like, yeah, yeah, no problem, we'll just, we'll just change the original line. Uh, so you, you get a lot more, uh, I think, uh, authentic feel from those when, when that sort of thing comes up. But the initial banter, we all, we all write ourselves. Uh, Fantastic. Every, every writer take, takes a spin through their particular characters and the combinations. So, like... If it was Dorian bantering with Cassandra, I probably wrote all their interactions. But if it was Dorian interacting with Varric, okay, I probably wrote about half of those, and, and we just it would end up. It was that was a lot of uh, a lot of writing to do, but uh, it's really it's really neat, especially if you look at uh, how the, the banter sort of develops as the game goes on, because they react to events. Though they'll react to if you're in a romance with somebody. Uh, they'll react to the major plots that you do, or, or if you've done their personal quest, they might comment, that sort of thing. Fantastic. When you're writing dialogue choices between the Inquisitor and 
the party members. You were talking about the different reactions they could have. Do you write an entire conversation from beginning to end with that one reaction in mind, or do you split it up per question? Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, generally, we will write all the reactions at once. Uh, like it, it depends if there is a split in the conversation. That if it if it goes completely like it develops another entire uh, path of dialogue mm-hmm. that that continues for a while. We'll probably will go back and do that 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 whole path later. But otherwise, we'll sort of uh, manage the the various threads all at once. And, you know, like, cause a lot of times they'll, they'll, they might thread and then they'll go back to sort of a bottleneck and then continue on. Um, so generally we will, we will try to keep them all in mind just, just so we don't, um, get too invested in a particular voice. Cause whether, if you, if you, if you do the reverse, if you write it all with just one voice in mind, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times if you go back and now, now you try to add in those alternate paths, uh, it, it, it's generally, going to only feel coherent if the person took that first path and otherwise might feel very choppy. Right. That's where the question came from. Cause I was thinking, man, I could never do that. <laughs> yeah. It just comes with practice, I guess. Okay. So going to the keep, which is pure genius. Now I know uh, this is more Liz's question, but I'm stealing another one from her now <laughs> on hand. How, how much involvement did you guys have with uh, actually you know, making sure that everything stayed in line with how they were, all the different choices and what major choices actually mattered to be, appear on the keep. How much did involvement did the writers have? Yes. Just to make sure continuity and all that. Um, some, I mean, we were mostly available for reference. Uh, the, the real, uh, unsung heroes of the dragon age keep were our editors, uh, people like, uh, Karen weeks, Karen weeks uh, yeah. especially, uh, Corey may. It's one of our, our senior editors, uh, who, uh, practically for months on end, her only job was to go through this this massive uh, Excel document and going through all the variations and tracking down things like, okay, if if Logan is alive, then this can't be true, and that that you know, like various other things. So the points at which the keep uh, like setting the decisions is fine. That 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 actually is is very easy, but to try to figure out which are our decisions that cannot exist together. That was the very, very complex part. So throughout that whole process, uh, Corey May would come into our, into our office and, you know, grab one of the writers and have like 10 questions and say, you know, we'd be sitting there trying to think, Dragon Age Origins was, was quite a number of years ago. So, you know, she'd grab me and be like, all right, all right. So, uh, the, the lands meet, I, you know, I have, what, what if you did this and this and this and this? Can you, could you do that? Was that an option? I'd be like, I think you could kill Alistair. I think, yeah, he could be executed. I think, you know, like questions like that. And, and, and we'd have, then we'd eventually, sometimes we'd have to load up the, our very old editor for origins and, and open up the dialogue files and <laughs> piece through the lines and like, wow, did I put that option in there? Wow. I'm an idiot. Things, things like or, or you guys could have listened to our podcast and we would have told you everything. <laughs> oh yeah. And argued about it extensively. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. It's like, Corey and the others had to work so hard just because they knew that uh, for, for the fans probably know 10 times better than we do. So to be so careful. I think that's why our, the beta test of the, the, the keep was, was very helpful in that regard. Getting the, the fans to sort of double check us and be like, uh, no, I think I did that. Of course, that's the funny part too. A lot of the, the bug reports they gave us, it's like, no, I, I swear up and down. I wasn't romancing Morgan. And I went through the Luvia and I'm like, no, no, couldn't, couldn't be done. So. Oh. 
that was probably a mod you were playing because people have you know, memory their yeah. memory play tricks trace place yeah them. their own head cannon yeah exactly so we, we, did, we did a lot of double checking of those and most of them were like no you're just misremembering you couldn't romance morgan as a woman sorry <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I know exactly what mods they were using. <laughs> exactly, uh, right? Of course you do. <laughs> hey, look, just because I have all the naughty mods means nothing. <laughs> and just because I did barely used any mods at all. Uh, sh- you graphical enhancements, that's it. He's talking He's talking about the natural body mod. That's uh, oh, no, actually, I am. that's her favorite mod. Oh. No, I think the, the ones I most went with were... Uh, Making the Kunari from Dragon Age Origins look like Dragon Age 2. That was a big one. Actually, I saw a couple that were like, yeah, that changed Kunari to DA2 Kunari that had the uh, the DA2 Grey Warden armor into DAO, yeah. which is really cool. Because I remember we wanted to have a, a Dragon Age, uh, sorry, a Grey Warden look in DAO, but, but they never quite got around to that. And that, that was actually kind of a neat uh, 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 reverse thing to do. Actually, I kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, I thought their uniforms were just you know buck naked with the mods. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Only when you strip them before the joining. <laughs> I might have done that, thinking that I might have lost the armor, so I wanted to pawn it because I knew they were going to die. Uh. Yeah, we take away all their equipment now. It's like not only you're going to die, but you're going to be shamed before you do that. <laughs> I'm not a good person. No, you're not. <laughs> All right, so uh, since we're back on Origins again, um, now I I know you love all of your work, but if you had to choose of the Origins stories, you know, the Dwarf Noble, the Castless, are there any of those that are just your particular favorite? Mm, um, That's a difficult question. Um, I guess I'm very fond of the human noble. Just well, I guess I, I wrote that, so I, I kind of feel like it's sort of the official origin. But I mean, I'm sure there, there are fans who would be like, <gasps> "How dare you say that?" So, <laughs> well, I, I mean, the Kuzlan story was kind of messed up, and being a Kuzlan yeah. and killing Rendon Howe was extremely satisfying. Exactly. You got, you got sort of this, this sort of this personal vendetta against Earl Howe. Uh, I, I liked the how the parents turned out. Um, I mean, I liked the Mama Kuslin so much. She ended up being your mother in uh, in uh, Dragon Age Two as well. Oh, talk about tears! Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it was, hard it, it was the same voice actress. Oh, was it? Oh, and it is a. Uh, the American male inquisitor in this game is Zevron. Yeah, nobody would ever think that. Uh, I, I remember when uh, when uh, he did his audition, um, and I was like, oh, because we were just listening to the voices, and I, and I was like, oh, I needed him to do sort of a Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Fear me if you dare. Of course, my name is Zevron. Dance with me and do that, like something like that. And we got a lot of auditions, and his was great. And I actually went, flew down to Los Angeles to sort of uh, be there for the first sessions for all the major characters. And uh, uh, John walks walks in, and, and I was like, he, he's this this super tall, very blonde, Scandinavian-looking fellow. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when he does uh, the the American male, he, he got that the deep, booming voice when he when he does it, and, and it's like. Uh, I would never in a million years guess that that, that was uh, also Zevran. 
So it's Zivran? Zivran, yeah, yeah. That's how oh, I, okay. That's how I pronounce it. I, 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 they probably pronounce it different ways in the game. But <laughs> I don't. So. I don't even know. The only canon that matters is head canon. It. That, that just sounds dirty. To the individual. Uh, speaking of tall actors, how tall is Steve Valentine? Does this head hit the ceiling? Almost. I just saw him on an episode of Psych, and I was like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well, he's probably, he probably looks a lot taller, but actually, no, he is really tall. Yeah. I think I, I maybe came up to his nipples, and I'm not I'm not that short, so... You lucky, lucky man. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a really sweet guy. He really is. In roles that I have seen him in is hysterical. What what next, Road? I know this may or may not hold true to Inquisition itself, but I know that in the in the development process for many games, this ends up being a thing. Were there any characters or content that got cut uh, for the release of Inquisition that you would like to see in the game or maybe revisit in a future game? <sighs> Maybe. I mean, we, we cut a lot. Ouch. There was a lot of things that were cut. I mean, it, it, you imagine how big the game is now. But when we had sort of, you know, like you, you go through the, the the process where you're coming up with ideas and we're building these. And they were supposed to be a certain, each each major plot was sort of a certain size. But of course, by the time we, we managed to throw in all the different ideas, they were like, Ooh, oh, yeah. it was so enormous. And we loved it all. And we had to sit down and, and start making some serious considerations like okay um we either have to cut some stuff or or uh or just we're not gonna be able to make this game not not in the years we have available so uh there are some hard decisions that were made and, and some entire plots that were cut as well and the only problem i have going over them at this close to release is that um i think a lot of fans just don't understand um like when you talk about this x was cut they immediately envision this plot as if it had been completed and looked beautiful <laughs> and worked perfectly. And oh my god, we just ripped it from the game for no reason when that's rarely the case, right? Probably, if we had done any work on it at all by the time we cut it, it, it was a, a piece of crap that, you know, running, people running around in T-pose and it broke constantly and was frustrating and probably had bad pacing and we couldn't figure out how to, how to fix it. And that's how the, when things get cut. They, they're never, we never ever, not in my experience, have ever cut something that, that was already finished and worked. Like, why would you? Well, yeah, exactly. Why would you cut something that was functioning and ready to be sent out? That would be content. Yeah. So when, when I talk about, especially when, when feelings are kind of high, if I talk about things and how we cut this plot, they're like, oh my God, that would have been so perfect. How could you do that? To get the rest of the game that you've got, that, that, you know, that we, we probably could use some more time on as well, you know? <laughs> like, you, you cut, you kill some of your children so that other ones can live. That, that's how it works. Um, if there was anything I, I, I that, for me, I wish I could go back and say, I, I wish we'd put that back in, it would have been, um, we originally had a plan uh, to be able to go to the, the, the early in the game where you make sort of a decision between the Templars and the, and the mages. Or with the mages, you go to Red Cliff, and if you, the Templars, you go to Theronfall Redoubt. Mm-hmm. You, you both know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Originally, when you did one, uh, you'd be able to go to the other and after, like sort of get an aftermath, because you would see firsthand the consequences of, of you having not gone there. As opposed to right now, you, you just the other, the other mission just disappears completely, right? Oh, really? I thought there was going to be a part where I saw the aftermath. No, no, no. I mean, uh, there, there's some missions that are on the war table for that, but not, okay, here's a separate plot where you could go and sort of see yeah. what, what had happened there. 
See, I almost felt because you're in the hinterlands and and Redcliffe is right there, you were almost steered in this game to side with the mages just because you see them first. Um, and of course, personally, I was steered to help them because Fiona. I mean, I love Fiona. <laughs> yeah, yes and no. I mean, the flammatory god has been has been pretty even-handed, mainly because you actually get the uh, the war table mission for the Templars first. Oh, okay. For the for the other one, you can go to go to Redcliffe right away, but you have to go there. And I mean, I'm not going to spoil the plot, but you get to a certain point in the plot uh, where you were then directed to go back to to ha- to Haven, and then you see the actual uh, War Table mission for Redcliffe. So I think a lot of people they see the the War Table mission for the Templars, and they're like, oh. They just go and do that and, and, and maybe don't even know necessarily, even though there is some warning about it, but they may not know that, that okay, this is actually a split in the story. There are two entire, two huge missions, and you only get one of them based on that choice. So, All right. Yeah. For Fiona for that. But, but also, uh, when I went to Val Royal for the first time, I was so pissed off by the Templars or the Seekers there. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, the Lord, Lord Seeker Lucius? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that guy. <laughs> the nun puncher. Yeah, that was so... It was one of those moments where you just go, wait, so you're sitting here screaming that I'm the devil, he hits you in the face, and I'm still the devil as if I did that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. You are the devil, Road. And that's that's kind of how I directed the conversation, too, in the, on the uh, dialogue. In my world. defense, I, I did not ask for anyone to punch the nun. I got that, that scene came back... And I and <laughs> I, I saw that they, they, they didn't even punch her. He punches her in the back of the head. And I saw it and I was like, uh, uh, okay, okay, sure. We'll, we'll just roll with it. Man, he, he just sort of comes off as a complete douche canoe, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I guess he's supposed to be, right? So I, I didn't mind that that badly. You guys can make some merchandise with those blow-up dolls that you punch. You remember those from the late oh, 70s or yeah. 80s? The, the punching clowns. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I went, You said blow-up dolls. I went. <laughs> That's why I wanted different. to clarify. It's because I said it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of blow-up dolls, I have some suggestions for you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's not go there. Exactly. All right, Liz, it's your turn. I'm letting you do this, Road. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, all right, so uh, this is the last question that I actually have, because I've not encountered anything really regarding this as of yet, uh, with the exception of some small encounters with Fiona, but it never actually mentioned this. Okay. The architect. Hmm. This is just the question I want to ask, but going back to headcanon, uh-huh. do you kill the architect or not? Because I, I still feel like, regardless of which choice I made, I made the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> do, do I kill that architect? For your, just for your, your headcanon, just like the Kuzland uh, is your headcanon. That's another one of those questions. I, uh, I, cannot, dang it. I cannot come down on one <laughs> side or the other. There are consequences to to doing either that that have not necessarily surfaced in the game yet. Yet, yeah, yet, and and I I have I would not want to. The fans can sometimes be very sensitive about any idea we have of of one choice being right or wrong, and like oh this you've made this choice definitively the only proper one. And it's like it's all about the experience. The, 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 you take the choices that you feel are correct and you live with the consequences. I mean, uh, that's the way I, I like to play the game. 
I will say that I I have a soft spot for the architect, but I mean that's not very surprising because I created him. I wrote an entire novel about him, right? So, you did, yes. Speaking of novels, will the third asunder? Yes, thank yeah. you. Will asunder ever be an audiobook form? I don't know. Oh. Are the other ones? I think there's an audiobook for the very first the stolen first throne. two. Yes, but they don't tell me these things. I only learned about the audiobook when someone linked to it on a page. I was like, "Hey, there's an audiobook for the stolen throne. That's probably that's awesome." Oh, and it's great. Is oh. it? it is. I like the calling better because he does more voices. Uh, Duncan's see, voice, and I like the stolen great. throne better because of the story. I, I I feel like it's the better of the two stories. But that's again, you know, personal favorites. Yeah, but. The reason we ask is both of us actually read the books by listening to them multiple times. Oh, but with audiobook. It'd be nice if they did, they did one for Asunder. I mean, I think uh, now that Inquisition is out, I think uh, Asunder... I mean, it, it came out way before Inquisition, although it was not originally supposed to, because Inquisition was actually delayed a year. But... Uh, the, for people who like Cole, there's actually a lot of, a lot of uh, stuff in, in Asunder... I mean, that's where that's where he was first introduced, and so you learn about how Cole came to be. He talks in the game about people named uh, Reese and Evangeline. They're they're characters in the book, so you, you learn um, uh, about Cole's inception, I guess. So I mean, I think uh, there's a there's a quite a bit of of um, uh, stuff that's good for people to. I mean. It's never required reading because I mean the story of Asunder is about that period in between DA two and uh, Inquisition where the re- the major rebellion actually starts. Like it talks about okay after the events of Kirkwall, what was actually what actually ignited the rebellion itself? Like Kirkwall ramped up the tensions and set the stage, but how did the rebellion actually begin? And that that's the story of Cole and Reese and Evangeline. Uh, Reese is a mage and Evangeline a, a female Templar. And um, uh, Win is in it uh, from Dragon Age Origins. Oh, road! There you go. I've heard. <laughs> yes, I I love Win so much. <laughs> How can you not? She's a guilt. She has a magical bosom. I hear. I know. I'm terrible, and it makes me sad. May I rest my head in your bosom? I wish to cry. <laughs> I love the banter between her and Severin. He's like, he, I, I still remember it. when that, that the voiceover came back for those scenes, tackling <laughs> because uh, they, they they knocked it out of the park. Uh, uh, John, uh, the, the voiceover, not, was, yeah, the voice the voice actor for uh, Zevran, he clearly was was so delighted with it. <laughs> he just sort of just ran with it. Uh, it was like, may I cry uh, into your bosom? <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. I should feel terrible. Let me cry into your bosom. She's like, I am done talking with you about this. Uh, all right, so the final question, bar none, as a writer, what is your biggest inspiration? I bet you get that question all the time. Yeah, <laughs> in various forms. Uh, what is it? my single biggest inspiration? Wow. Wow. God, there's, the, but there's so many different answers for that. I'll take all of the answers. Any answer you want to give. Well, I, I read a lot. And it's funny because I mean, it, 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 there's some people that, that come and they, they they're very they're very excited. They're like, oh, there's this thing in the game in the in Thetis that I swear it's, it was stolen directly from. Uh, we what do we got? Uh, game of Thrones, uh, Wheel of Time. Uh, the list goes on, and, and it's like, um, okay, like sometimes they'll come up with stuff. It's like you know, yeah, actually that is pretty close, and I I think that I, I can I can easily cop to yeah I I I was definitely inspired by that. But is it a, is that a 
copy? Like, like what? What? It, the, the, as a genre, fantasy is pretty pretty incestuous as it is. So, I mean, you want to do want to talk about these? But it was in the Wheel of Time, and before the Wheel of Time, it was maybe in a few other things as well. I mean, everybody has their own brings the, has their own versions of fantasy and things that they add to it, things that they bring to the genre, right? And and I mean, very. I mean, the 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 Thetis itself is sort of you could say. "Quote unquote generic fantasy, right? But we we play with the tropes in generic fantasy and things that you you see in a lot of fantasy settings. I mean, we we have our own element. Uh, I mean, uh, you want to talk the biggest inspiration? Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> when I started with Bioware in 1999, uh, I, that's when we started working on a game called Baldur's Gate 2. Oh, I'm so and, big of a fan of that game too. <laughs> yeah, that was my 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 first introduction into game development and. Uh, so uh, uh, a lot of what when we were talking about how did Thetis come to be, it was pissed us off about uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, like the things about the rules are it's like, oh, but, you know, if, 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 a, if a first level mage, if you knew that first level mages had access to a charm person's spell, it's like you may as well call that spell the date rape spell, right? Like, like how could you... <laughs> How could you yes. ever trust a magic user? Like, you mean a magic user, you think he's kind of cool, and part of you in the back of your head would be thinking, okay, do I think he's cool, <coughs> pardon me, because he's actually cool, or do I think he's cool because he charmed me? Like, you, like, like uh, people just don't, their setting doesn't seem to sort of recognize uh, some of the things it has put into the setting itself, right? So, oh, absolutely. Uh, we, we talked a lot about uh, faith, for instance, in, in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, how the moment you take uh, a god, and it's supposed to be this this supreme, unknowable being, and then they they gave them stats. So as soon as you give someone <laughs> stats, uh, you want to fight them, right? So somebody's there, like, okay, I got stats for Thor. Who wants to try to kick Thor's ass? It's like, all to me, all the mystery just sort of went out of that. I had the deities and demigods uh, supplement, and it just it it, it sort of uh, took these these the whole idea of divinity and put it, it made it very measurable. And, and I was like, but that to me is like, the, the, then that sort of took away an element of faith. If you're a cleric in a deity setting, you're not a person of faith. Faith is not required. Faith requires, a, you know, like a leap of faith, a, sort of a, an element of the unknown in D and D. This is a person who could literally come down and give you shit or, you know, deny your, your spells. And you're like, Oh, I guess I don't have to wonder whether what I did, was right or wrong because my deity just sort of you know revoked my spells so like, it becomes very literal um so I mean, we were talking about the idea of having uh, a monotheistic religion and and uh, uh that had never had any proof of its own existence and was that okay to do in a fantasy setting you know, like did we have to have uh literal clerics with with uh, uh d- spells of divine origin or, or could we have, uh, you know, actual faith that required them to maintain a belief in something that could not necessarily be proven, even in the face of the supernatural? So, I mean, uh, if you want to talk about uh, inspiration, I guess that was it. The, the, the sort of the after working on D and D for so long, I saw all the, the the old D and D supplements on my on my desk, and just sort of the, these long simmering resentments of, of things that uh, we didn't like. And and like you know, we want to do a D and D like setting, but put our own sort of spin on all those 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 elements. Like you know, do we want elves that uh, are per- perfect at everything and and do everything better than humans? Sort of like a la 
Tolkien, which I guess is more or less where D&D Elves sort of originated from, or do we want to sort of uh, um, have elements, real world elements sort of reflected in the, you know, the, the, where people might, if you actually put elves, like Tolkien elves in our world, how would people sort of react to that? How would, how would they, how would, how would they develop over history? Would there be resentment from the, from the nations of mankind or, or what have you? And there's a lot of that kind of thinking that, that went into the, um, the setup of the world, I guess, yeah. And then eventually you get Dritz, the Dark Elf, that's good for some reason, completely defying everything about his entire culture, and becomes one of the leading characters of an entire franchise that's been around for probably too long at this point. Yeah, I, I read those the, the Drizzt books way back in the day. I I've, seem to remember liking them, but then I picked one up recently, like a, a, recently, five years ago or so. And, yeah. I was trying to read through it, and it's like I don't know. Probably I'm just a total elitist by now. But I, some of the sometimes I re- pick up things that I read when I was younger, and I'm like, "Wow, young Dave had really suspect taste in." in, in <laughs> like I killed Dritz in Baldur's Gate one several times. Yeah, everybody did. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was in Baldur's Gate two as well, right? I, I think he was, if I remember right. It's been yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to do all the draw. As a matter of fact, for a while. I had studied so much Drow. I had to do the Drow City in um, Usnatha in uh, the Underdark. Oh, the Underdark uh, is such a, a bad place. I, I could almost speak Drow. Like I could take Drow and translate it because that's that's how much Drow uh, language I had to put in the game. It was, it was terrible. I was more of a high elf ranger player myself, so uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I used to be really big into D anD D, and in fact, while you were saying that, I was looking at my old third edition books that are sitting uh, on my uh, other desk. Yeah. They're just sitting there I, collecting I still, dust. I still have mine. They're 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 collecting dust on my on my shelf. But all the third edition because back when we were working on Baldur's Gate two, um, the third edition actually hadn't come out yet. No second um, edition. But stuff. they yeah. wanted us to sort of uh, have sort of a half implemented third edition system. So they get they sent us all the third edition rule books and and sort of we had to go through them and figure out okay how were we going to put like because it was it was second edition AD and D sort of with a bunch of third edition adaptations because the third edition was, was going to be out by the time we released. It was very weird. And then Neverwinter Nights came along. And then Neverwinter Nights came along, which I think was actual third edition? Yeah, it was yeah. third edition with a couple of liberties, but uh, yeah. Neverwinter Nights actually was probably, aside from Dragon Age, one of the games I, in my history of gaming, have put the most time in. But purely because of the player-ran servers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, how could you? Oh yeah, if you were, oh, yes. if you were looking at uh, at all the mods, then there was it had a great modding community here. I really, oh, it was fantastic. A lot of people actually, uh, uh, former Bioware employees, got their start from being mm-hmm. in the Neverwinter Nights mod community. Yeah, uh, both. Um, let's see, Mary Kirby, one of my main writers. Um, oh really? Uh, she wrote, she wrote, wrote Varric. Uh, she she got her job uh, by entering a contest. Really? Um, oh, that's amazing. Uh, Neverwinter Nights mod contest. Uh, Cheryl Chi, uh, another one of she wrote Isabella and, and, and Laliana uh, Blackwell. Uh, oh. She, I don't think she actually submitted a module that was done in the uh, in Neverwinter Nights. That's how that's how she got her job. Just because that's the way. Oh wow! Well, I don't I don't really have any other questions. I'm actually just flabbergasted by this entire thing. Getting a getting to nerd out with someone who wrote what I love. 
<laughs> I'm going to cut you off, Road, because I need to know, uh, are considerations made for the dwarves for the sensitivity of people who are dwarves? What do you mean? Like, say, my niece is a dwarf. Now, mm -hmm. were considerations made uh, not to call them certain things or to do certain things with those types of characters in the game? It, just to save some feelings, I guess, for people that might happen to be dwarves playing the game? I don't think we, I don't think people call them in the real world, they don't call them dwarves anymore. They call, yep. They're called little people, aren't they? Well, yeah, but when she introduces herself, she's like, yeah, I'm a dwarf, by the way. Oh. <laughs> that's, I guess that's one of the unfortunate aspects of the, the fact that fantasy dwarves have the, the same name. But, I mean, uh, I, I don't think we, we ever try to make comparisons between the two because there are no comparisons. We're not, the, the, the fantasy dwarves are not just short humans, right? Or they're, they're and they're not that short either. They're 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 they are a fantasy race that just happens to be called dwarf. So, from what I've seen, there hasn't been anything to really offend anyone. So I was wondering, you know. No, I mean uh, the only thing I, I think I've, I've ever uh, taken flack on uh, is uh, sometimes people are gripe about the fact that we haven't had a romance with a dwarf yet, especially with Varric specifically. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, uh, when this started, the, the people were like, oh, clearly, uh, David Gator hates dwarves and thinks they're gross. Really? Well, I had made a post on our forums once where, uh, we were talking about the, the, uh, the romance scenes in Dragon Age Origins. And I, I sort of jokingly mentioned that, yeah, there was a point where, uh, they, they would, in order to test them with the worst case scenario, uh, they loaded them up and, and did like the most ridiculous appearances and just to see, okay, if this, if, are you guys comfortable with this? And, and like the one for the Alistair romance scene had a female dwarf with the pigtails and it, and it sort of done her up to look very young. And I, and all I said, I, I watched it and I said uh, on the forums, I was like, Oh my God, that was, that was very traumatizing. <laughs> Not as traumatizing as the, uh, the Genlock. Oh yeah. The Alistair and the Genlock. Oh, don't, don't even ask. That was, I don't know. I kind of want to know now. Just, just Google it. It's out Alistair there. Alistair Genlock romance scene. Off you go. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's talk about traumatizing. However, some people <laughs> yeah. read that, that, that post and, and said, Oh, um, uh, David Gator thinks that, uh, that, you know, you can't romance female dwarves cause they all look like little girls that romancing, uh, real life little people is like romancing is like pedophilia. And I was like, I never said any of these things. And, and that sort of had a self perpetuating kind of thing, which evidently according to some people could only be dispelled by me to okay a dwarf romance, which we probably will do at some point, just, just for the sake of variety, if nothing else. I mean, Harding scout Harding is a flirt interest, but not a love interest as I've read. Well, I, if I knew that, that back when we were doing DA2, that Varric would have turned out like he had. His, his initial his initial concept was a little bit different. He was supposed to be a lot more slick and, and, and kind of a guy like a greasy car salesman. But <laughs> you know, it was, it was initially interested with uh, making a romance with somebody like that, and then Mary. Sometimes you take you take characters and you, you're writing, and they sort of take on a different aspect as you're writing them because like the initial idea you had just doesn't work, and they suddenly change. And so Mary was writing him and sort of was embracing much more the idea of him being a bard, although he never ended, ended up being an actual bard. That was sort of his initial concept. Uh, so the storyteller idea, he became much more roguish and charming than we'd ever anticipated. And I remember when it, when he finally came back, it was like, wow, yeah, if, if, if only that had been the plan for him, I probably would have gone for it right then. But I imagine we will, we will do a dwarf romance eventually. And, and 
maybe then people will will shut up about oh. my my supposed hate for for real life little people. It's it's a little ridiculous. You heard it right here. He does not hate little people. Okay? Um, so it doesn't matter. I've clarified numerous times, and I, I just the other day I had somebody uh, tweet me and 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 say, "Oh, you're." Hate- you support the gay community, but your hatred of little people is disgusting. And I'm what? like, what are you even? It, it gets repeated. People, I, I get this all the time online. People will say, well, they'll interpret something I've said and, and then re- repeat that as if, as if I said it and nobody questions it. They're like, what? How could he say that? So I've just sort of embraced it at this point. You know, sure. Yeah. Nope. Clearly I hate little people. Okay. Off you go. <laughs> there's really, there's really nothing I can do, and I, you know, I just have to to be fine with that, right? Oh, I don't want to keep you any longer, but I want to ask. Just say something about Flemeth, please. <laughs> what do I, what do I need to say about Flemeth? I don't know, but it's on my notes. <laughs> she's in. She's she's in Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, she she's, is. Yeah, she is, is awesome. Uh, Kate Mulgrew is a fantastic voice actress who, who comes in and just one of those people. Like every now and then, you get a voice actor who comes in and they just do. They just. They say a line and it's better than you could imagine, have imagined it. Like you don't do numerous takes for them. You just, they do the one line and you're like, yeah, okay. That's, that, that's actually not quite how I imagined it, but it is better. And it was funny, um, because, uh, we're, we're in the booth. And, uh, so we have the, 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 the way it works is it's a system called Veda. So it's got an electronic screen where it puts up the, the line the actor is going to speak. And next to the line, there'll be the voiceover notes. So the, the comments we write of regarding how they're supposed to say it, or uh, especially if it's sarcasm or something, we'll, we'll put a comment in like, okay, this is what the actual context for this line is. Cause they, they do see the line before <coughs> and the line after, but, uh, a, uh, that always doesn't give the, the complete picture. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when, when they're entering the scene, we'll, we'll set up the scene, but sometimes there's references in a conversation for something that happened you know, hours before in the game and they, we sort of have to remind them, okay, this is what's going on. Or B, uh, sometimes they're moving through the lines pretty quickly and you normally, your, your normal actor is not going to have a chance to, to read the comments or whatever. But I remember, uh, uh, sickly, we were, we were going through this one section and, and Caroline, our voiceover director was going through it really quickly. And, uh, Kate Mulgrew delivers this line and Caroline stops her and says, Oh no, no, I think it's supposed to be like this. And, and I'm, I'm in the booth and I, I, I was like surprised because it was a quite a, it was a, it was a line that, that made reference to her relationship with Morgan, but something very specific, which happened in DAO, which was, which was like two games ago. And, um, I leaned into Caroline and I said, no, no, actually she got it right. And, and I said to, to, uh, Miss Mulgrew, I said, uh, how, like, did you, did you read the comment? Like, how could you, you, you were going through the lines so quickly. And she said, yeah, she, she's a speed reader. She, she, so she actually wow. going through, she was reading the comments as she was, as she was going along and like taking no time and reading the entire comment and uh, reading them faster than Caroline was. So she actually got the line completely correct. And it was, it was, it was like, I was like, Oh my God, I, I had no idea. No wonder she was, she was doing them perfectly. And I, Caroline returned to me and like, you got a comment? And she's like, no, no, she did it perfectly because she read, she read every single voiceover comment. It was incredible. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Total, complete professional and I, I always thought it was great too because uh, we sat down for Inquisition she had a part in, in Dragon Age 2 but it wasn't that big a part right so uh, and, and we'd done it really early in the process of Dragon Age 2 so it was years ago and we sat down and I thought I'd, I'd uh, we'd have to sit down and sort of have you know <coughs> Kate Mulgrew is a very busy lady she's in orange she's the new black and, and and a whole bunch of great stuff 
so I thought for sure I'd you know like I would just sit down and say okay do you remember you remember this character Flemeth that you played and then talk about Morgan. No, I didn't need to. I didn't need a reminder of anything. She she remembered it all and was very <laughs> excited. She was very excited to 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 find out where what was going to happen to Flemeth next. Uh, oh, my God, that's so cool. I I need to get back to the game and play that. Um, <laughs> so we will let you go because okay. it's been an hour and a half, and you've given oh, it? Okay. Yeah. a long time. And we really thank you for that. I'm making I'm sure you'll, you'll edit it down anyway. I'm sure, uh, right? Oh no, <laughs> no, not at all. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I want to play now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh, I just thank you for everything you've done. Seriously, I'm good. I seriously, this Dragon Age of all of my 20 plus years of gaming, Dragon Age is my favorite game series. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. I I've been looking forward to this game for so long. Yeah, I beg to have this podcast. Beg to have him on. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to when we can when um, the the spoiler uh, ban is sort of passed. I don't know how long that is. Uh, could be a week. Could be longer. The point where people stop freaking out if you talk about something that's that's uh, a spoiler. I, I don't imagine it'll be too much longer. You'll be able to resist it. But I'm looking forward to that period once that has passed. And I and I you know there are these plot elements that I you know I've been sitting on for for years now, which people have played. But they can't really talk about it yet, and I, I want to talk to them about it. I'm sure they want to talk to each other about it, and 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 say, "Oh my God, Flemeth, anything, anything." Like uh, I just want to want to grab somebody and jump up and down and scream at them. What did you think? What did you think? And have them uh, talk about the things they enjoyed or maybe didn't enjoy. The, That's what just... Road does. Oh really? <laughs> I, I do. I, I just I mention a name or I mention. That something amazing happened, but I won't specify because I don't want to spoil it for her because I know that she's not caught up to me. But I do scream at her every day, please catch up to me. (laughs) I do. Yeah. And I tried to one day, but I spent literally all day Saturday in Skyhold just talking to people. That's how huge this is. My favorite thing in the last week has been watching some people on Twitter or on Tumblr. Um, They will respond to things and they're not, they want to spoil it. But they will say, oh, I got it, and they'll, they'll, they'll post their reaction, which is sometimes just sounds and maybe like a, a word. And I'm like, I know exactly what the game <laughs> <laughs> This game does drag out the emotions, not just the excitement, but I mean, there have been several points now that have just killed me as much as, well, when Hawk's mom died, when uh, oh, Kuzlin's uh. parents died, when, you know, just... There, there have been plenty of heartbreaking moments. Yeah, I, I saw a piece of people on, online reacting to what they called our Vermeer choice, and I thought I was like, no, okay, that's fair. I guess you can call it that. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, well, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> no worries. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. Holy shit! <laughs> I don't know if he realizes just how much I have had to hold myself from nerding out completely. (laughs) And after listening to this, and this specific line, he'll probably know. But, holy shit. I love his work so, so much. You okay? I can breathe now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm going to take a drink now and uh, calm my nerves. Caffeine, probably not the best choice right now. 
Well, uh, I guess at this point we should say thank you for listening. So did you jizz in your pants? I nerdgasmed everywhere. Nerdgasmed on all the things. Because freaking David Gator. We don't want to dampen the mood, D-A-M-P, Dragon Age player. That was a terrible joke. Before we get to more terrible jokes, we have to do some contact information, or else how are we going to know how much you love us? You have to tell us how much you love us. Don't tell us how much you hate us. Get a hold of us on Twitter at DragonAgeOTR. Contact me at Mistress underscore LeBeau. That's L-E-B-E-A-U. And if you like your tweets favorited, contact Road at ThatRoadGuy. Email us at DragonAgeOTR at gmail.com. Visit our website at QuestGamingNetwork.com. And yes, we know our money's on the dresser. We have sponsors, you guys. Heard about us talk about Dragon Age the Stolen Throne and Dragon Age the Calling? Well, here's your chance to hear it for free. Go to audibletrial.com slash questgamingnetwork and you get one of those books for free. And the better to hear you with, my dear, visit tweakedaudio.com. Enter our code off the record, all one word, for 30% off. Quality earbuds, free worldwide shipping, and a lifetime warranty. Ooh, by the way, I also want to give a special shout out to Chachi Bobinks of the Dialogue Wheel. She gave me some ideas for questions when I was having a huge brain fart. She's part of the Dialogue Wheel, which is a YouTube-based Dragon Age podcast. So you can visit them at youtube.com slash the dialogue wheel. And while you're on YouTube, you could also go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash questgaming network, where you can find a plethora of other shows. That's youtube.com slash questgaming network. The Inquisition. What a show. And I love his hand gestures. He talks with his hands like I do. You saw me on the on the on the other show. And plus you had the kick ass beard. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. Also, I'm not rage. Let's just get that out of the way. That's someone else. You know what? I am a jerk, yes. Now I just got an email from Mr. Nice Man. Mr. Nice Man? <laughs> that could be anyone. I mean, that could be literally... It's not you. Okay. You're a jerk. Yeah, I certainly am. I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it for you. I was right. Your mama. Hello, I am Liz, and my co-host is Rode. He will not give his real name. Okay. I'm fine with that. It's because of massive amounts of paranoia, that's all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I'm weird. We hope to make this very painless for you. Okay. <laughs> Easiest way to say it. Yeah, he grew his beard because of Blackwall in the game. Oh, really? It's actually true. He has a pretty epic beard. It's true. He has an amazingly epic beard. Oh, we're still recording? We're still recording! I haven't stopped. My reaction was captured. Oh, heaven. Alright. By the maker. You can cut as much of this out as you need to. Oh, I will. So, did you jizz in your pants? I nerdgasmed everywhere. Nerdgasmed on all the things. Because freaking David Gator. Cause the Inquisition's here, and it's here.